Beltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight! The Drive. Elmore deep, left side, three is good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. And welcome in, everybody. Woody Woodrum instead of Paul Swan for one more day. Uh, glad to be with you today here on the show. And Forgot to mention yesterday, Belltone is our sponsor. We appreciate that now. They're just down the street. They, maybe they didn't hear me yesterday because I was all the way at the Union Pub and Grill. But, uh, hey, we hope you guys uh, will give us a call at 304-399-399. 8255-877-420-8255, and you can ring us up right now. Gabriel Sellers in on the other side of the glass, and he's taking the calls. Uh, big doings tonight, obviously the World Series, first pitch this evening, so that's coming up, and uh, we've also got uh, lots of other things to talk about. A couple of things right off the top here, uh, John Elmore has been named to the second-team All-American squad for Blue Ribbon Magazines. That's the magazine put out by the West Virginia native uh, Chris Wallace, who has been doing that for quite a while. Uh, but he picks John for the second team, so that's fantastic. Alex Millett, the injured herd lineman, had his surgery, and it all went well today, so he's ready to work on recovery, getting ready for next year. And a guy who's been on the mend uh, the last couple of weeks for Huntington High School, Ty Wilcoxon, who is still like uh, number five or so in scoring, number t- or, or in rushing, number 10 in scoring uh, in the MSAC, he announced today he will sign with the Thundering Herd. So uh, the former uh, product of the Fairland Dragons playing this year at Huntington High. He should be back, they think, for the Spring Valley game. And that, of course, is coming up uh in two weeks, Huntington will play this week at home for senior night, their final home game, against Parkersburg, who is playing much, much better than I think anyone really expected them to. Uh, honestly, it's uh, kind of staggering how well they're playing. So, uh, you know, the uh, Huntington team hasn't been playing so well as of late, and they're going to have to certainly pick things up if they hope to get a win against this improved Parkersburg squad. So we'll see how that all shakes down on Friday night. We'll be out, of course, at the uh, Huntington Stadium and hope you guys will be there too uh, to join us on the uh, for the game. I'll be out there with, of course, uh, Chris Tatum, so it should be a lot of fun. And uh, we will have the Highlanders this weekend. Highlanders uh, still... Uh, haven't played bad, but you know, not with a lot of, I guess, heart is the way I'd put it, maybe. They just don't seem to be playing as hard as maybe you would expect a team that has a chance to be uh, one of the top teams in the state when you're trying to finish down the stretch. And, uh, you know, Todd Wilcoxon is still the all, the leading rusher for this team, although Diallo Mitchell with 88 carries, 542 yards, four touchdowns, is second right now. And uh, also they've got Malik Johnson, 55 carries, 378 yards, and a touchdown. And the quarterback, Tay Blackwell, has 54 carries, 340 yards, five touchdowns. But, you know, they're getting beat up on the uh, on the front, and they're uh, 
front five was supposed to be a strength this year, but uh, right now I'd say uh, they've got to get some things fixed with that group because they're not playing very, very well. So, uh, you know, Huntington and Parkersburg coming up Friday night. That game going to be live from up on the uh, hilltop here in town. Conference USA uh, volleyball tickets are on sale right now at Marshall University. The Herd is hosting that event, and they have tickets. An all-tournament pass is $20 for adults, $10 for youth. That's 12 and under. Or you can just go and make a donation of $8, and they will give uh, those tickets to uh, local youth volleyball teams so they can come and watch the matches, and it also earns you a one bonus point on your big green priority points. So uh, you can check that out at herdzone.com or call 1-800-THE-HERD, and they will tell you all about being there for this coming up event. Uh, Looked uh, at a couple of things that uh, maybe we don't get into as much as we used to, but uh, right now uh, Marshall is not doing too badly. And I know there was people who were down. We even had one caller who didn't like the uh, attendance this weekend for the the game on the homecoming game. And I'm not sure, you know, nearly 24,000. The only team that topped that was UAB with 28,000. There were uh, seven home, seven teams that were at home last weekend. UAB was 28-plus. Marshall was just under 24. Southern Miss at 21-2. La Tech at 18-9. FIU at 13.7. Western at 13.2. And Middle at 13,000. So last week's average... 18,800. The season average, uh, UTSA is number one there. They got the Alamo Dome, of course, and uh, they had a big uh, game to open that, but they've settled in at 27,800. Marshall is second at 26,614. UAB's at 25,600. North Texas, 24,100. Southern Miss, 22,500. Rice, 22,100, and FAU, 20,400. The teams that are under 20,000 start with Law Tech at 20.2,000. Then uh, Old Dominion, now this isn't actually bad because their stadium only seats like, you know, 20,000. So they're drawing 19.9, and that's not bad. 16.6 for Western, uh, UTEP at 16.4, 16.4 for UTEP. When we entered this league, that team drew 45,000 on a regular basis. But they haven't been very good, and that has dropped 30,000 fans. That'd be like Marshall going from 24 to 4,000. You know, it'd be along that line. Uh, middle, 15,500. Uh, FIU, 15,200. Charlotte, who hasn't been very good, but is playing a little better of late has drawn 13,400 and the average for the league just 20,000. So 18,000 is the average in 18-2 in the East Division. In the West Division is 22-5. So I don't know, you know, if, if it's realistic to think about those numbers coming up or not. I mean, let's be serious. Uh it's a it's a middle 
Uh, it's a, it's a, not a P5 league. It's not a Power 5 league. Uh, even the American, you know, has trouble drawing. Certain places are not drawing well these days. Memphis is still not drawing well. Uh, Tulane is drawing okay with their new stadium, but not great. Tulsa, not great. You know, so a lot of teams in the American that w- that want to call themselves the P6 are hardly anything. But, um, you know, they do have Southern South Florida, USF, though, is in the top 25. And so that's a good thing for them. Appalachian State ducked into the top 25 in the Sun Belt this week. And I saw some people saying, why don't they just invite Appalachian State? I would take it one step farther. I would say that this, you know, two leagues, two spread out between El Paso and West Virginia or or Virginia Beach, if you want to go that way, is not working. Why don't I make two regional conferences? And And how could it be worse? I mean, there's no TV money right now. You know, they're they're existing on a diet of ESPN Plus, a few games on the uh, CBS Sports Net, uh, bowl games on ESPN or ESPN Two, and and really no great TV money coming into the league. How could it be any worse? Being two more leagues, and you pick up Appalachian State, and you pick up say Liberty or JMU or both, and and you crank yourself up by a eastern, you know, southeastern league or an eastern and southern league, and you let it rip like the Southern Conference. At least everybody was in the t- same time zone. Everybody had similar, uh, you know, teams when it came to putting putting the talent on the field and, and, and just play that way. I don't think you have to have a 16-team tournament. You're playing your basketball championship in a football stadium in Dallas that really only serves North Texas as a home base, and they're not one of the top draws in the league in basketball for sure. So I don't know. I just don't think it works. I mean, I I think that this league needs torn down and rebuilt. You know, it was a league initially of Southern Independence who had not managed to worm their way into the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, wherever you might think of. They just couldn't get there. They weren't invited. And so they formed together Memphis and East Carolina and people like that. And they came together and they formed a league. But as soon as, you know, their people realized what they had signed on to on the first expansion with Marshall, coming with you know some of those teams and then the next one was picking up some teams with potential which is the worst thing in the world because it was tv potential and they took charlotte and they took old dominion and they took some other schools that really i i don't know i mean i didn't think they were good choices then and i've not been moved to think they're good choices now so i i think it may be time to blow the whole thing up and start over i I would love to hear what you think about that at 304-399-8255-877-420-8255. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't think that we're going to have any any time in the future where this league is averaging 30,000 people. I mean, I, I pulled down the bottom 25 as done by uh, 
CBSSports.com. And four of the teams in our league are in there. Number 25 is Old Dominion, although they got their second win last week. Did you see that, how that happened? I mean, did did you know how that happened? It, it got to be late in the game, and they were down seven, and they needed to drive, and they got a couple of penalties, and then they got an untimed down and got into the end zone with that. So an untimed down, hit the extra point, tie ball game, 12 seconds, a kickoff to Western. Western throws a pass and tries a field goal with two seconds. They get an untimed down because of a defensive penalty. They try it again. They grab the ball, run the ball back, and <laughs> they score. You know, they, they, they set up a field goal because there's a penalty on the run back. And so ODU gets the most unbelievable win of all time with three untimed downs, including two that extended play for Western Kentucky and led to a missed field goal that ODU ran back and got a chance to kick. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine how a game could end that screwy. Let's go to uh, the phone lines right now. Out in Wayne, we've got Dennis. Dennis, welcome to the show. Oh, we've lost Dennis. Okay, I'll tell you what, Dennis. We'll take a break, and you can give us another call, 399-8255 or 877-420-8255. We'd like to hear your conversations and more here on The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back, everybody, to The Drive. I'm Woody Woodrum sitting in for Paul. And later this week, you have Billy Cornwell uh, will be in our uh, Spanky. They're both tied up in the uh, Fall Fest Parade down in uh, Sarita Canova tonight. And we'll go down that way, down to Wayne where Dennis is on the line wanting to talk about uh, Conference USA. Dennis, go ahead. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Woody. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Uh, who all would you envision? Like, would you just divide the conference up? Would you start a new conference? Like, with most of them in the eastern part of the conference and, and bring it in a few from uh, Sunbelt. And then really, I'm not so sure about Liberty. Well, you know what you get with Liberty, though? You get a school that has a, a television network ready to plug in for you. And, and I, you know, any problems there might be with them playing on Sundays and so forth, which is one of the things I've heard about them or being religious-based. You know, so is, uh, you know, BYU. So is Notre Dame. They're religious-based. Nobody in a school the size of uh, Liberty has anything going for it the way they do on television. I just think that makes some sense. But, I, you know, I just don't – I'm not – the more that I look at it and the more I hear people talk about it, nobody can get a feel for rivalries with UTEP or UTSA or North Texas or Rice, Louisiana Tech. I mean, and, and only UAB and Southern Miss from the West Division really seem like rivals, and they were in – 
you know, over in the just when Conference USA was one league, they were kind of over there, and Marshall has played Southern since they started. But uh, I don't know. I I mean, I I know there's Appalachian State and there's JMU, and, and even Georgia State down in Atlanta. Uh, I just think something that is more south and east in 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 its designation has a better chance of of getting the fans jacked up about playing if if they can make games to conference rivals and that's what i think about jmu and liberty that's right in the driving wheelhouse of most of the teams you know the florida teams you keep them in because it's always good to have teams in florida i don't really because they haven't shown any interest in moving before i mean they seem very happy with uh, the league that they've got and, and the mission they have. And I just don't feel like that anyone in the MAC has ever really uh, – I know Toledo talked about it. They got a president in who said absolutely not. They weren't changing for anything. And, and you know, uh, outside of Ohio or Miami, and Miami doesn't draw very well after their first game, and, and Ohio doesn't draw – as well as they could, I think. Uh, you know, it, what what else is the attraction? I know they have plenty of money because they're very well state-funded, but uh, that would just put Marshall on the wrong end of that chain again. Okay, so you're talking about, like, Western Carolina and uh, uh, the Florida schools, maybe uh, yeah. Southern Miss. UAB and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, Southern Miss and UAB, I think, uh, certainly are possibilities, even though, you know, they stretch it a little bit. But at least, you know, Mississippi and Alabama, I feel, are more, you know, southeastern in there. I don't I don't think they're very happy being in a in a division with Law Tech and, and the Texas schools. But there wasn't much the league could do when that's all they had to divide. So, you know. Yeah, you know, I just, I just think it's, you know, seven and seven on each side. It, it doesn't really work. You you play, you know, you play your the guys on your side and then just hit and miss with the other side. I don't know if that's good for rivalries. You know, I, I like it better when you're, when you're all in the same and you're playing for the same title. But I, I don't know. I mean, without any TV money on the table – uh, you know what are you going to do? You, you know the the only right. thing you can do is cut costs by being more regional. Yeah, it uh, it really wouldn't even help that much for the Americans. No, I, I think they struggle the same way we do. Uh, and they will get worse. I think they'll get worse as they go along because their deal was already cut before this last wave. And, and this all may be noise through the hat anyhow because of the player compensation lawsuit uh, goes down and the NCAA is, is backed into a corner on scholarships and, and and they do away with the limits on scholarships. There's going to be, you know, four super conferences full of teams that can spend any money they want to and then there'll be all the rest of us and it might be time to pick up sides then. Yeah, yeah the only way I can see Fourteen team conference split up like that. Be like the ACC or the SEC or the Big Ten. Yeah, 
And and you know if they ever expand, uh, I don't know. Marshall's got. Yeah, I don't think Marshall has a real shot at that. I mean, you know, so I I just I I I think it it's you're going to have to get together and figure out who you can best work with and what makes the most sense rivalry wise and just pick those teams and try to put something together that works for you and and not worry about what's going on on the rest of the landscape. Well, I think this regional thing being spread out like that's really it's even hurting the Big 12. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Dennis, I appreciate the call. All right, thank you. 304 399 Yeah, you know, me and uh, Dave Walsh were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and there were closing arguments last week on this injunction, uh, injunction against the current NCAA scholarship limitations, which are currently room, board, books, tuition, cost of attendance. And then, of course, they're allowed to do more food now than they used to be able to do. And they're also able to pay for some of the parents to go to bowl games and whatnot. But, you know, if they tear all this down and get rid of what is called the college model, collegiate model, and then every conference can decide how they will compensate their players, well, who's in a better place to do that than the, the, you know, the – the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, Pac-12, hopefully the Big 12. I think they want to be there. Uh, some of their schools would. But, you know, it will will a school that's in there for academics, plus they help keep your academics up and they're, they're good to have in your league for other sports, will those teams like Vanderbilt and, and will, you know, Will they go away, or you know, do do you just have sixty four schools in four conferences, and that's it? You know, those those teams basically are are like pro teams on the amount of compensation they can pay, and it's just you know, I think it could very well happen, and so do a lot of other people. So you know, it uh, you know things started. 15 years ago when the ACC basically killed the Big East and we had kind of a quiet area for a while. But, you know, the Notre Dame athletic director says it would be fascinating. He told this to CBS Sports. It would be a disaster, but it would be fascinating. I think there are a very significant chance that rulings would produce a new wave of concert realignment Congressman Tom McMillan, who was leader of the Division I Athletic Directors Association, said leaving the decisions on how much to give players to the conferences would amount to the Wild West. I think they're both right. I think it would be crazy. And some schools are going to find out they didn't really matter to the schools they've been in with conferences for years. They just kept them in while it suited their purposes and while it didn't hurt them at the at the market. But, you know, I mean, those leagues are getting $125 million each on television money. That's more than the entire Conference USA gets in 10 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous to think that Marshall should be able to play with a Big Ten or an SEC school or an ACC school. They shouldn't. That schools sneak up and trip somebody up occasionally. We talk a lot about that. 
but we never talk about the other 35 drubbings that those leagues took. We talk about the close ones, and we talk about the upsets, but there's a heck of a lot more beatdowns than there are all that other stuff. So, you know, I, I, I mean, you got to think the SEC would be all in. But would Stanford, would Duke, would Notre Dame? I don't know. You know, if those leagues go all the way in, I don't know. Uh, it's just it's going to be interesting to see what comes down. Uh, a Power 5 commissioner said, I think we will lose. Uh, you know, I, I think that the NCAA is going to appeal this, but the issue, you know, would not be dead even though they're appealing. And a lot of people have thought for a long time that the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, each would pick up another couple of schools and go to 16, and you'd have four conferences of 16. So we could see that. You know, I think TV people are looking for that. And that the next TV contracts come up for negotiation 2024 2025 by then i think we'd probably be through all the supreme court and lawsuits that we need to get hey the phone numbers are 304-399-8255-877-420-8255 love to talk to you today here on the drive on espn 94.1 fm and am 9 30 now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Hey, everybody. Woody Woodrum with you. Paul Swan out this week, and we're glad to be with you. Gabriel Sellers on the other side of the glass, and the phone numbers are the same. 304-399-8255 or 877-420-8255. I mentioned the bottom 25 had four teams of Conference USA. I didn't name those. And it, um, you know, there are some P5 schools in there. Oregon State, Rutgers, Louisville, North Carolina are in there right now. Uh, But, you know, right now Old Dominion is number 25, and that's despite, as I said, winning that game, that there were three plays that were untimed downs in that game. And Western Kentucky was the loser on that, and they fell to one and six. Western is number 13 in the poll. ODU's number 25. Rice is number five at one and seven. And uh, then number one is UTEP at 0 and seven. Uh, <laughs> they lost 31-24 to Louisiana Tech, and they actually improved, but uh, scores improved for San Jose State, who's 0 and seven. And uh, Bowling Green, who's one and seven, they lost to Ohio 49-14 this past weekend. UConn lost to South Florida, uh, and this week uh, they have a chance though because they play the number 15 team in the bottom of the ratings, uh, and that would be UMass. Uh, speaking of those bigger schools, Navy, and we'll throw those in there. Arkansas is 23rd. Navy is 21st in the bottom 25. Nebraska is 18th. Louisville is 16th. It's just, you know, it's it's not a good thing to be down there. And the Mike, you know, has Bowling Green at 3. They have uh, Central Michigan at 8. 
They go at uh, Kent State's number nine. So they have their fair share in there as well, but uh, not the place you want to be. No, it's not exactly sports, but the WWE was still going to have their event, a crown jewel event in Saudi Arabia, despite the controversy over the alleged murder of the Washington Post journalist. Uh, And that was supposed to be coming up on November 2nd. The belief in the uh, past few weeks that the ever subvulent Vince McMahon wouldn't budge may not be the case. The closer we get to the crown jewel on radio, Obser- Wrestling Observer Radio. That's yeah, a subscription required for you wrestling types. Uh, Dave Met- Metzer addressed the situation, noting the show in Saudi Arabia. Despite all the backlash, it's not as much of a given as it seems. Mounting pressure from what Metzer calls outside forces may have seriously contemplating the event uh, of a relocation. And so, uh, you know, the president now has called the cover-up by the Saudis ridiculous, uh, and that's probably what it was all about, I would say. He's gotten on board with that after much toe-dragging by the president, but he uh, apparently now has decided that the Saudis uh, didn't handle this very well. Several senators have spoken out against this, and the WWE, while not, you know, they've admitted they're an entertainment forum. They're not a a sport per se, but uh, a spokesman told CNBC this week that the company is monitoring the situation that still stands have not mentioned the location of the event on television either the last two weeks, though. Tickets have yet to be put on sale, and the location is not listed on the company's website. So as soon as we get a definitive answer, they expect one because the event now is just 10 days away, but we will let you know. You know, kind of a touching moment uh, uh, in a sport where those are few and far between, at least real ones. Uh, uh, Roman Reigns opened Raw Monday night and revealed he's been living with leukemia for 11 years. He had thought it was defeated, but as cancer often does, it it has returned. And he relinquished the Universal Championship and was quite a bit of output from his peers and the fans. And, you know, there were a lot of children in children's hospitals with uh, cancer who were very, very, uh, you know, moved to hear their hero. And, you know, when you're a small child, wrestling seems very, very real. And they were very, very moved. And, and so was Reigns by the amount of children who came out to mention that, you know, if, if he thought he could beat it, maybe they could beat it. That's uh, that's tough tough draw in your life i i can't imagine anything worse than a sick child and uh you know roman reigns took uh time to go on uh twitter today thank everyone as he begins the battle with leukemia all over again you know when it's been gone for 11 years you probably get at a point where you think okay we're probably good now but cancer 
the Big C is nearly undefeated, and uh, the reason why is because he can come back even after 11 years of being gone. So best luck to uh, Roman Reigns, uh, and, and hopefully his battle will inspire some children to continue their battle. Uh, in the Herald-Dispatch today, uh, Chuck Landon's column, New ballpark should be named Jack Cook uh, after Jack Cook. Coach Jack Cook, 92 years old, uh, guy that uh, the field, uh, you hope. And, I mean, I know that sometimes things, you know, people don't think things come out right. Uh, They wanted a name. Chuck talked about there were some people who thought the new rec center should be named after Dr. Paul Ambrose, but there was a naming fee asked for uh, the sports medicine complex, naming fee asked for there. Uh, I do know that the uh, soccer facility is the Marshall Memorial Soccer Complex and the Hoops Family Field. So... It is both in memory of the Memorial Fieldhouse, which was built and memorialized in honor of all the men that were killed in World War II. And, you know, you would hope that even if the university is able to get a naming right for the field, you know, I I really don't have a problem with blah, blah, blah stadium Jack Cook Field. I mean, I I think that's the best of both worlds. Uh, You know, I know there were some people that were upset when the football stadium was not tagged with Marshall Memorial something on it. Although we do have quite a few memorials, and and so far in in less than a half century, It shows no sign of being forgotten here at Marshall University. I would be surprised if it was in 50 more years. I really would be. I won't be around by then, but I would be surprised if it was uh, forgotten in in that case. But it'll be more of a contest. You know, I have related story in here about Purdue had 11 people killed while they were riding a train to... Uh, play Indiana in a Thanksgiving Day game. They wrecked and 11 people were killed. Uh, not all football players, but some band members in the day of, you know, small band, small team. And uh, their gym was built with 11 steps to honor those people. When that gym was tore down, somebody said, well, what did they do with the stones memorializing somebody? And everybody went, what? So, you know, things can disappear when, uh, you know, there's not a a big deal. There's not someone to maintain that. But I I, I just think that Marshall has, you know, the cemetery, the bronze on the side of the stadium, the remembrance every November, the turning back on the fountain, fountain every spring, the fountain, the Memorial Student Center, uh, all of that, I I think will keep that from becoming something that is forgotten. Uh, So, you know, if you can get 
some bank, some corporation, somebody to post some money and you name it blank stadium, Jack Cook Field, I think that would be wonderful. But I do think Chuck raises an interesting question. Who's going to own this field? Will it be the Marshalls as a tenant or will Marshall own this? The city paid for the land, so I guess that remains up in the air a bit. But if you haven't seen the drawings, it is beautiful. Looks like it's going to be a really nice stadium, exactly what the herd needs and and deserves and something that we can uh, hopefully get summertime baseball in at the lower levels, you know, rookie league or, or single A, something along those lines would be really sensational. So hopefully that project gets off the ground here real, real soon, gets some earth turned over, and then we will begin to see the baseball team finally, after years of being vagabonds. I mean, the only time they've ever actually owned a field, and and University Heights really doesn't count because that was property the school just didn't want, so they Jack and, and Mr. Peepenbrink went out there and kind of dozed that out and turned that into a ball field. But it was crude at best. <laughs> uh, so... You know, the, since the, the the school actually had the fields that are between the science building and the student center, uh, the commons they call it now, I think. We called it Central Intramural Field in my day. And back in the teens and 20s, that was actually where the herd played football and basketball until they built Fairfield uh, as well. So uh, it would be nice to see the baseball team finally finally get a home tell you what we got to take one more break when we come back we'll set up a world series for you and we'll talk about that coming up later tonight on espn 94.1 fm and am 930 you're listening to the drive with paul swan presented by Tone hearing aid center on espn 94.1 fm and am 930 that's right, the good folks from Belltone, just up the street from our building here on 6th Avenue. We hope you'll drive by and see them for your hearing problems. Hey, it's Woody Woodrum wrapping up my uh, second day. And uh, don't forget, Billy C. or Spanky will be here, I think, uh, a couple of days this week. And then I'll be back Friday from out live at uh, uh, Huntington, where they'll face off against Parkersburg. It'll be senior night. And we'll talk a lot of high school football on that night. Uh, 304-399-8255, 877-420-8255. It's been more than a century since these two teams faced off in the fall classic. The Boston Red Sox no longer have Babe Ruth as they did back in 1916. You might have heard about that. And the Los Angeles Dodgers aren't called the Brooklyn Robins anymore. And then the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers and finally just the Brooklyn Dodgers before they moved to L.A. after the 1957 season. We have uh, Chavez Ravine versus the Green Monster. Uh, You know, it's uh, Fenway Park versus Dodger Stadium. And it is Boston ace Chris Sale against L.A. ace Clayton Kershaw. And a battle of pitchers. I know we'll play, have a lot of these games here on ESPN Radio. Uh, we may get bumped occasionally for uh, 
football games that we have to carry. But, uh, you know, it uh, it should be a good game. Kershaw this year was 9-5, and 2.73 ERA in the regular season. Chris Sale was 12-4, and 2.11 ERA. And, of course, first pitch scheduled for 8.09 tonight. Momentum would be a key factor. Uh, and it's also raining in Boston. Matter of fact, it's supposed to continue to rain through about 7 o'clock, and they've got the tarp down, so they'll peel off the tarp and, and get the field dry. Some of the players were out messing around with the Green Monster, though, that uh, does play balls differently the way they've got kind of a triangle out there in center field. Ball can take a funny bounce off of that. There's a low wall to the short porch right field. Of course, the pesky pole is only about 220 yards down the right field line. Exactly, you're going to hook one that would go foul anywhere else right around that and get a home run. So, Chris Sales, though, has thrown 303 pitches this year at 97 miles an hour or more, but none since August 12th. A little wear and tear on the arm. Comes with season. Should be a good first game. Hope you'll catch it right here on our station. Don't forget, coming up next will be the Metro News Statewide Sports Show. Coming up next, Tony Greedy and the gang will get you up to date on what they're talking about. Hey, I appreciate being with you the past couple days. Thanks to Gabriel Sellers behind the glass, and thanks to you for listening. We know you have other choices. So uh, this is Woody Woodrum say, I will not talk to you until Friday, but they'll be back here tomorrow with more of The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. We'll talk to you then. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.